Welcome to the SLP Talk Show. Real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters. Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of SLP Talk Show. I'm Carrie. I'm here with... It's me. It's Jim. It's Jim. We're back. We're back. So we have both had interesting experiences since we recorded our last episode. So I'll start with my experience. Uh, I had my first ever colonoscopy, and all I can say is wow. Yeah. I I, I mean, wow. It was... Can I say it? Can I say that it was a pretty crappy experience? Wow. (laughs) That's so bad. <laughs> I know, I know. But my uh, crappy colonoscopy experience, I don't think it was as bad as your recent experience. Yeah, I had the vid. You had the, co- the yeah, you had the vid. You had the COVID. I had the, the COVID. The, the plague, yes. 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 And you were quite ill. Um, For the first couple days, it yeah. was no fun. No fun. The fever was probably the worst. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't get it. Yeah, you didn't get it, thank goodness. Jim was banished to the lower half of the house, <laughs> yeah. and Aaron and I stayed upstairs, and I would, like, set food, like, on the landing of the stairs, kind of like, you know, you, you give a prisoner, like, he had to come get it himself, yeah. and I would kind of be like, here's your food. <laughs> Stick it through the, the hole in the door. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah. Aaron and I, we uh, stayed free of it, uh, thank goodness, and yeah, you're all it, better. It, yeah, and I took the Paxlovid stuff, just a, just a TSA here, uh, <laughs> Oh, or what do you call that? P- PSA. 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 I don't know what TSA, TSA is. is like at the airport. Right? <laughs> uh, PSA, public service, service announcement. Um, you will have a terrible taste in your mouth the entire yes. time you take it. Yeah. What did you say? It tasted like burnt rubber? Burnt rubber. Yeah. For five days. Yeah, that's no fun. So everything tastes like burnt rubber. But it made you feel better. So It did. It did. Okay, so colonoscopy, COVID, you know. Yeah. But we're all better and we're ready to move on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So we've definitely had better months, I think, but (laughs) (laughs) that's all right. Um, So before we jump into our discussion today, we, of course, need a quick game of chump or champ. Do we have to? We have to. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Are you feeling lucky? Four questions. Uh, Okay. We're going four for four today, right, Jim? You're feeling confident. Okay. Okay. No, but yes. I love the first question. Are you ready? In France. Okay. I'm already dead. (laughs) In France, you greet acquaintances by kissing them on the cheek. Which cheek do you kiss first? You have a 50-50 shot, Jim. Oh, wow. Left. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You kiss the right cheek first. Wow. Okay. Uh, They are known as Simon and Garfunkel, but what are these singers' first names? Um, Well, it's Art Garfunkel and... um, Paul Simon. Hey, you did it. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. I almost said Neil Simon, but oh, he's no. a writer. Nope. Here we go. In what world famous rock band did the guitarist Slash play from 1985 to 1996? Uh, Slash was um, um, with Guns N' Roses. Excellent. Ding, ding, ding. And the last question. How many food groups were in the classic USDA food guide pyramid? How many food groups? Four. Five, three, <laughs> six. Yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> All 
right. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So before we uh, had to go on hiatus uh, because of all the craziness in our life, uh, we did an episode on building executive function skills. And I had promised you guys that we would do a part two. So today okay. is part two. Part two. We're going to talk about executive function skills. So um, hopefully you have listened to the uh, first part of this little series that we're doing. But just as a quick reminder, uh, executive function skills are a set of mental processes that uh, help a person be able to pay attention, focus, remember instructions, control their impulses, complete tasks, even amidst distractions, plan, organize, be resilient, and be a flexible thinker. And so the way that I always encourage people to think about executive function skills is uh, think of executive functioning as the control center of the brain, kind of like the air traffic control center. Okay. At the airport. Yeah. That's the best way to think about executive function skills. And as I talked about in the first episode, uh, the way I explain executive function skills is that they're the foundation skills that help kids be ready to learn. Be ready. Okay. Yeah. So executive right. function skills aren't what you know. It's the skills that allow you to be able to learn new things. Sure. Okay. So uh, today what I wanted to do is uh, uh, most of this information comes from Harvard University, uh, the Center on the Developing Child. They have a wonderful website. You can get lots of free uh, infographics awesome. and handouts. So make sure you check that out. But uh, I wanted to share some specifics about how parents, therapists, teachers, caregivers can support the development of executive function skills in childhood. Okay. So we're going to get specific today. Okay. So the three primary areas of executive function that we focus on in children, we, we look at working memory. And working memory, um, you really, it requires focused attention, but mm-hmm. it's the ability to hold information in your head over a short period of time. So okay. working memory, that information doesn't get stored in long-term memory. Right. This is just your working memory. So you store that information in your head just long enough until you need to use it. Right. And then once you use that information, it goes away because right. you no longer need to hold it there. So it's kind of like the brain's sticky note. Okay. That's the best way to think gotcha. about working memory. So uh, working memory includes nonverbal working memory, which is your visual imagery. So if I you know, ask you to think about uh, how you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you are probably going to visualize getting the knife out, getting the bread out. getting mm-hmm. the pe- You actually have a mental movie sure. uh, going on in your head. Right, so that's your visual uh, working memory, um, or your nonverbal working memory, which we call visual imagery. But there's also uh, your verbal working memory, and this is where do you ever talk to yourself? You know, mm. like in your yeah. head, self-talk is what that's called. So you talk yourself three steps. Oh, I'm going to the store. I need to remember to uh, get eggs and bread, and if I don't write it down. Mm-hmm. Lots of times I forget part of that, right? Because <laughs> yeah. my working memory. Well, that's memory, me. Yeah, because I maybe am uh, distracted. You know, maybe I'm checking my phone or whatever and I forget. So uh, that's working memory. And so examples of when kids need to rely on working memory during the day would be things like following a multi-step direction. We often, um, as speech-language pathologists, think that being able to follow directions is a language skill, but mm-hmm. it really is a working memory skill. So if, let's say, you have a child, a preschooler, in the early childhood classroom, and the teacher gives a multi-step direction and says, okay, friends, I need you to all go get your crayons. I need you to get a piece of construction paper, and I want you to meet me at the round table. 
And there's inevitably going to be that one child who shows up at the round table empty handed Mm -hmm. because the only amount of, you know, they were only able to hold the very last Last thing the teacher said. Yeah, that last piece of information. So it's too much information for their working memory. And so uh, that is an example, being able to follow multi-step directions. Or maybe you're introducing a new game and you give the instructions or the rules for how to play the new game. Mm -hmm. And let's say three kids are going before it's your turn. So what do you have to do? You have to hold that. Until it's your turn. Until it's your turn. You have to hold it in your working memory. All right. The second area of executive function that we want to focus on in children is uh, inhibitory control. And so this is the skill we use to filter out our thoughts. We need to be able to control our impulses because what we really have to do uh, all day every day is resist distractions. We have to be able to complete non-preferred tasks while delaying gratification for preferred tasks. Mm -hmm. And even as adults, we struggle with this sometimes, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, Now, here's the thing. We want this inhibitory control to develop intrinsically. And so what that means is we don't want to have to extrinsically teach this with things like reinforcers. So we don't want to, we want, we really want this skill to develop uh, from within yeah, yeah from within yeah. instead of trying to uh, extrinsically yeah. um, reinforce it so let's think of some examples of when kids need to use inhibitory control uh how about learning how to pause and think before you act right before you hit you know sure. sometimes uh, little kids they they hit their friend and they mm-hmm. don't mean they don't really want to harm them they're not malicious right but it's, they're struggling it's with, a reaction yeah it's a reaction and they don't yet have strong inhibitory control yet right. and that's why little kids hit bite scratch scream, shove, because they're not able to inhibit that response. Uh, Another example of when they need to have inhibitory control is being able to wait patiently for a snack, mm-hmm. right? We're passing out snacks and uh, I want a snack. Give me a snack. Give me a snack. We have to learn to wait. And that's why I always say waiting is a life skill. Even as adults, we have to right. wait. Wait in line at the grocery store, right? Yep. Wait for your turn when you call customer service. We're always waiting, 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 right? And then the third area of executive function to focus on in children is mental flexibility. Mm-hmm. So you've heard that that old saying, uh, we gotta think outside the box, right? Think outside the proverbial box. We need to be able to have good, strong problem-solving skills. And um, if plan A doesn't work, we're going to go to... Plan B. Plan B. What if plan, plan B doesn't work? Plan C, plan, plan D. You better have the whole alphabet ready, right? <laughs> Sometimes uh, we have days like that, okay? Mm-hmm. So what are some examples of when children need to exhibit or practice their, uh, use their mental flexibility? Well, for young kids, learning that rules differ in different locations. So this is something we'll see. Let's say a child comes to preschool and it's, you know, their first time at preschool and they come in the preschool room and they take their shoes off. And the teacher says, oh, sweetie, we leave our shoes on at school. You know, we got to keep our shoes on. And the child says, but my mama says no shoes in the house. Mm -hmm. So see how they've overgeneralized that rule. And so we need them to learn that there are certain rules that you have at home and then they change. Right. As we know. School rules, home rules. Yeah. How about this? How about the rules mom has? And then if mom is gone. Right. The child goes, oh, maybe dad will let me do it, right? Uh, maybe maybe dad has different rules. That's never happened. Never. Never. We have very consistent <laughs> rules in our house, don't we? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, another example of when mental flexibility is important is when kids are learning how to play with toys in different ways. Mm-hmm. Right? They, there isn't only one right way sure. to play. Yeah. And so one of the things I like to do is if kids are playing with, let's say, little Hot Wheels or little toy cars or trains, I like to get a giant board book. Uh, and and stand it upright, uh, kind of like a tunnel, 
or a mountain and show kids that the cars can go up the mountain, they can go down the mountain, and they can go through the tunnel. And you'll have kids say, no, 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 Miss Carrie, that's a book. Say, ah, but now we're pretending it's a mountain or a tunnel, right? So as a proud defender of play, I say that a lot, don't I? I'm a very proud defender of play. Yes, You, You are. I am. And so what I wanted to do was share with you guys some very specific examples of activities, of games, uh, things that you can do at home in your speech language therapy sessions, in your uh, you know early childhood classrooms, in order to build executive function skills through play-based learning. Okay. I'm a big proponent of play-based learning, and uh, play-based learning, I don't know, it's not very well received in this day is it just is it just misunderstood it's very misunderstood i think i think that's exactly it and that's why i've moved away from just talking about play and talking specifically about play-based learning okay because a lot of adults think that play is the opposite of learning right instead i want everyone to understand their synonyms right play and learning go hand in hand especially in early childhood and so i just i love this a lot of this information again comes from harvard center for the developing child But I thought I would do this uh, kind of by age group. So let's start with babies because executive function skills start developing from birth. Okay. Even though it takes a good quarter of a century, you know, about 25 years for them to fully develop, Mm -hmm. they begin developing in infancy. So let's talk about some activities that caregivers can do with their babies to build their prefrontal cortex, to build their executive function skills. So you remember when our kids were little, we would play things like, patty cake and peekaboo mm-hmm. sure right? and everybody does that and, yeah. and this is what's so neat about a lot of these activities is you guys are already doing a lot of these but right. you maybe don't know how valuable they are in growing your child's brain oh okay, okay? so that's what's so awesome so peekaboo and patty cake we call these lap games which okay. just means or people games right meaning you don't need toys necessarily right. but there's there's a, a, a relationship it's about the interaction where, it's about the interaction between the child and the adult so when you play, let's say, for example, peekaboo, the child has to learn and remember the basic rules of this game. That's why repetition helps, right? The baby gets better at it the more they play it. The baby has to manage their own behavior to fit the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. So they have to know that when you put the little you know, blanket on your head, the baby's job is to pull it off, mm-hmm. right? Or okay. if we put the blanket on the baby's head, their job is to pull it off their head, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, what's, what, are the, what are the rules of, of this game? Same thing with, with patty cake, right? Is, you know, we pat it and we roll it and we throw it in the air. And, and so there's lots of those little lap games, but those are really powerful for building early executive function skills. Imitation games. Let's say, um, I don't care what it is, but let's say you clap and the baby claps back. So that's mm-hmm. imitation. Let's say you stick your tongue out and your baby sticks their tongue out at you. Whatever that imitation is, that back and forth um, game, uh, what's happening is when baby imitates you, the baby has to keep track of your actions, remember them they mm-hmm. have to wait their turn, and then when the time is appropriate, meaning when it's their turn, they have to recall what you did so when you play imitation games baby gets to practice focused attention working memory and self-control hmm. pretty cool right one more talking to babies all right so having conversations with babies uh sometimes people say it's so silly because the baby can't talk back you know right but it's really important that you're having conversations with babies because when you talk to babies it's a very engaging way to build their focused attention mm-hmm. as they study your face right. right and watch and sometimes they coo back right give give a response it it, it builds their working memory and it builds their self-control hmm 
All right, let's oh, go to all little, those things. All those things. That's let's amazing. talk about. I know it is. Isn't it? Let's talk about toddlers now. How can we build executive function skills in toddlers? So let's say you know, eighteen month to three year old children. Mm-hmm. Introduce new types of active games. Let's say your child likes to throw balls. Remember when Aaron was little mm-hmm. and we had what do we call it? The baby hot tub. Yeah, it was the ball pit it, we had a ball pit but it was a blow up like yeah it was a little pool it was a swimming pool in our yeah. living room yeah and it was a blow up one and aaron would sit in there and we had those ball pit balls and he from what the minute he could sit independently uh, was, six months seven months old yeah, he would just he wouldn't even hardly be able to sit up and he would just sit there be just chucking balls chucking out of balls and uh, yeah all, <laughs> he would until every ball was out of that swimming pool and then yep. we'd throw them all back in and he'd do it again so let's say you have now a toddler so you have a maybe a two-year-old who has really enjoys throwing balls, right? Sure. So what we want to do is introduce a new active game. Maybe now we're going to show them we can kick balls. You know, maybe oh. the, the child's never done right. that. So we're going to kick the ball. Maybe we're going to now throw these balls in a laundry basket. Okay. So instead of just throwing them, yeah. I'm going to go get the laundry basket and we're going to, you know, toss them in there. Uh, or maybe we're going to race to the end of the hallway and back. Kind of like, ready, set, yeah. go! So you have to wait, you know, for the go and then you race and then you, you know, run to the end of the hallway and run back. Remember when the girls used to push him up and down um, the hallway in our previous house? In the laundry basket. Yeah. They did. Aaron was a little, and little toddler. And he would just cackle he would laugh and what the girls would do is they would push him to the end of the hall and then when they got to the end they'd go touchdown and yeah. aaron would throw his arms in yeah. the air yep. it was the greatest thing oh my gosh um crazy yeah <laughs> we have those great memories don't we uh, so when we introduce these new active games and we're, um, th- these are some of the things we're focusing on. We're helping these young children, uh, learn to focus and sustain their attention on a goal, mm. sustain it, right? Because okay. now we're doing something new and we're, we're doing something purposeful. They also have to in- inhibit unnecessary actions. So that's where that, that ability to control their impulses. Okay. And then they have to practice mental flexibility because they're trying new things. I've never done this with a ball before. I've always only thrown a ball. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're kicking a ball. So okay. it, that's how we build their brain. Uh, what about things like singing songs and finger plays that have different actions? Maybe it's the wheels on the bus or maybe it's the hokey pokey or right. teddy bear, teddy bear, whatever. Those are fabulous for, again, children having to watch, pay attention. They have to remember. And then when it's their turn, right, right they can they can join in. I love reading different versions of the same story. So uh, Jim can see him here because I have, I grabbed some of my books, but I'll tell you guys. So let's say I have this book called The Wheels on the Bus and it's Mm -hmm. just a regular, it's the regular story, but it's a book. So, you know, it's got the pictures that go with it. So maybe I will read The Wheels on the Bus and then the next day I might read this one, which is Pete the Cat, The Wheels on the Bus. So it's mm, the same story, okay. but obviously the pictures are different. You know, we've got different characters in there. Uh, some of the uh, uh, refrains, you know, may be a little bit different. So that is building mental flexibility. Then I've got this book. It's called The Seals on the Bus. I love this one. The Seals on the Bus go arp, 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 <laughs> arp, arp, arp. Right, so it's all the animals. And so what this is doing is the child is like, wait a minute. I thought it was the wheels on the bus. Well, no, now it's the seals on the bus. That's cool. And here's another one. This book book is called the whales on the bus right so this is all about what the whales do on different animals do on the bus so do you have um, every book that has to do with buses i love buses i love vehicles little kids love vehicles i have so many i look at i mean we're sitting in an office filled with children's books it looks like a little bit of a library it it it? is it's and then but look at this one jim this is the wheels on the fire truck oh wow there's also the wheels on the dump truck 
And so I would encourage you as if you're, you know, whether you're a parent or a therapist and maybe you're going to the library to check out books, try your hardest to find the same story but different versions of it. Oh, and that's going to build yeah. your child's mental flexibility. Here's one more. I have a ton of these. But here's Old MacDonald Had a Farm. Okay. Right? Very well known. Kids love it. We get to do our animal sounds. Here's Pete the Cat, Old MacDonald Had a Farm. I think I own every Pete the Cat book. I just really like it because it just is a, a little bit different version of familiar stories. I kind of like the way Pete looks, too. Yeah, Pete's he's, he's he's a, cool a cool looking cat. cat. He is a cool cat. Cool looking cat. He is. Yeah. Here's Old MacDonald Had a Truck. Old MacDonald Had a Truck. Okay. <laughs> and then how about Old McDino Had a Farm? So now it's about oh, a dinosaur. About a dinosaur. Yeah. yeah. So, and I have more. I have so many of these, you guys. I just, mm, 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 mm. so, anyways, that's what I would encourage you to do is to look for different versions of the same story. Okay. And you're going to be growing your child's brain. That's cool. And what age again? This, these are, well, I think toddlers, preschoolers. I think you can use okay. this, you know, right. with, with, with those ages. One more activity that I have listed for toddlers, uh, matching and sorting games. So maybe you are having, uh, like, we're going to match by color, you know, or maybe we're going to, we're going to sort, uh, do a sorting activity. Maybe we sort all of these beads or these little vehicles by color or by size, mm -hmm. right? So when you play matching and sorting games, uh, these are activities that require the child to understand um, the rule that organizes the objects. They have to then hold that rule in mind and then they have to follow it while they're playing it. So it really builds their brain. So now I have a lot of activities for preschoolers, okay? So now we're talking three to five-year-olds, okay. all right? And, and again, these ages aren't set in stone, but just to give you kind of a general age range. Uh, in order to practice holding and manipulating more information in their working memory, what I would encourage you to do is read a story to your child and then have the child retell it back to you in their own words. Hmm. Because that means they have to hold hold that right, story yeah. right so one thing i do to help teach that and to build their executive function skill is to use story props okay okay so if you're doing um you know like i like if i read the wheels on the bus uh or let's let even the animals on the bus is sometimes how i sing the song so, so it's kind of like the seals different on the bus. animals so i would get the bus the fisher price bus and uh -huh. then i would get the animals from the farm so then i'd be like the cow on the bus bus says moo 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 right, right? the sheep on the bus says ba 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 so we've got the bus and i've got you know the driver usually it's the farmer from the fisher price barn and then all the animals so that's what we would call a story prop. It's brilliant. Yeah, and so that helps kids then be able to build um, their working memory. Uh, through imaginary play, these children are going to develop rules to guide their actions as they pretend to be, uh, you know, different roles. Maybe I'm going to be a veterinarian, or mm, maybe I'm going to be yeah. a chef, or maybe I'm going to be a daddy, or maybe I'm going to be a construction worker, right? Whatever it is. And so what you can do is read books about different events, about different jobs, about different people, encourage use of props during play, um, and show children that you can use items in new ways. That will really promote mental flexibility. I think back to when you and I were kids, you know, and, and kind of that I don't know, where if there was a, a banana, we'd pretend it was a phone. Right. You know, so that's yeah. how, you know, using objects in different I ways. I still do to this day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, pretty much any time there's a banana. Yeah, you're going to hold it up to yep. your ear, aren't you? Pretty yep. much. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, how about uh, using activities such as yoga or balancing on a balance beam? Uh, those type of activities encourage control of focused and sustained attention. And would you agree in life there are times where you need 
focused and sustained attention. Yes. Right? So we yes. want to build that skill. How about playing games like freeze tag? Or did you ever play musical chairs? Mm-hmm. Uh, that teaches children to inhibit their actions and to rapidly shift their attention. So you have to really be paying attention to play those games. Singing songs with repetitive words or actions is going to challenge working memory. Oh, here's a good one. Cooking and baking. Right? Having kids participate in kind of meal preparation. Look at, Listen to all the skills that kids practice, Jim. They're going to um, practice inhibition while they uh, wait for instructions. Because anytime you're waiting, you're practicing inhibition. Mm-hmm. And that's why waiting is hard. Because you right. have to use your executive function skills to wait. <clears throat> so they're going to wait for instructions. They have to wait for the food to cook. Then they have right. to wait for the food to cool, right, if you're baking it. They practice their working memory while holding the recipe directions in mind. They practice focused attention when they're measuring, you know, mm-hmm. when they're counting how many of, you know, scoops of whatever they have to But it's like functional counting. It's not just counting the no, count. No, it's not rote counting. Right. right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. That's that's exactly it. How about quiet time activities, such as learning to color in the lines, peeling stickers off a page and, you know, putting them on a piece of paper, lacing cards, cutting paper along dotted lines. All of those quiet time activities encourage focused attention i can remember as a kid helping my mom make a cake or something and we would have to follow even cookies or Mm -hmm, whatever mm um you know we'd have to follow the directions absolutely you know and i I think i think it's a great way to interact and and do things without like just sitting down and doing work and doing work exactly and that's what play-based see you're brilliant yes that's why play-based learning is so important whenever we talk about play-based learning what i want you guys to think about is it's hands-on Minds on learning, yeah. hands on, minds on. And when you're doing worksheets, you know, mm-hmm. when you're just sitting still and 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 and, and having to do uh, a work activity, it's not very hands on. You know, right. you're not you're well, not actively it, engaged in the learning process. It's like you can read a recipe, yeah, but until you make it, you 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 know, it, there's there's a difference there. There is a difference. It does because you read the recipe doesn't mean you're gonna, you know, necessarily make that dish. The correct Very way. well. Yeah. You know. Well, and, and you can even go back to when you learn to drive a car. When you want to get your first driver's license, you have to take two tests. Yeah. And what's the first test? The written test. Right. Well, just because you can pass the written test with 100% accuracy does not right. mean yeah. you know how to drive a car. I just think all this is awesome in that I haven't heard you talk about letters... Numbers, shapes, and colors? Yeah. No, not much, right? No, because we're not really focused on um, teaching academic skills to young children. Everybody in society wants to because of something called the cognitive hypothesis, where we've decided as a society that the most important thing for kids to be is smart. But I think that we have confused. We think smartness is if a child can rote memorize some stuff. And right. I would argue that the ability to have strong executive function skills is what truly makes you smart. Okay, a couple more activities. Yes. Uh, sorting activities. We talked about this earlier, but think about, let's say you have a sorting activity. How's I see? Like there's one up here. Here, I'm just going to grab this and show you. Okay. So see all, so I've got these colorful bowls, right? Mm-hmm. Different colored bowls. Yep. And these are different colored animals. So there's cows, pigs, horses, rabbits. There's different animals, but they're all different colored. And right. they're different sizes. There's mommy animals and there's baby animals. Okay. okay? So... When you go to sort this, let me ask you, Jim, how do you think most kids are going to want to sort this? If I put these colorful bowls and these multicolored animals up, what are they going to, how are they going to sort them? By Probably put them in the bowl that's the same color. So they're going to sort by color. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that is what every child is going to expect. So what you want to do is allow them and say, yes, I want you to sort these animals by color. Then what I want you to do is rock their world. I want you to grow their brain and say, now I want you to sort them by uh, animal. 
So we're going to put all the pigs in this blue bowl. And the kids are going to be like, but all the pigs aren't blue. And we're going to say, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay. We're not sorting by color right now. Right. We're, so you may actually have to get like white bowls or clear colored bowls because you will have some kids who will lose their mind because they don't have mental flexibility. And they're okay. like, oh, no, no, I couldn't put. But isn't that kind of the point though is to, to teach them? Yeah, we want to teach them. We want, we want to build that so. flexibility. And then maybe after they sort by animal, then we'll sort by size. Let's put okay. all the big ones in the red bowl and let's put all the little ones in the green bowl. Okay. And so what I want them to do is be able to sort uh, and go against their natural instinct. Okay. Because that's how we grow your brain. Yep. That's how we build mental Get you out of your comfort zone. Yes, get you out of your comfort zone. All right, just a few activities for early school-age children then. And Jim, we we, we have done this, this with our kids, all three of our kids as they were growing up, playing card games and board games. We're mm-hmm. a game family, aren't oh, we? Oh, yeah. And I would encourage you guys, if you don't play a lot of card and board games, because I know kids today are interested in video games primarily, but if you really want to build executive function skills, you need to be playing things like Old Maid. Do you remember Old Maid? Remember concentration or memory? Okay, those games uh, obviously exercise working memory skills. How about Uno? And do you remember Tenzi, that dice game we taught Aaron? Mm -hmm. He loves Tenzi. Those teach mental flexibility because think about Uno. You can match by color or you can match by number, Mm -hmm. right? But you have to be flexible because sometimes you get a draw four. You know, you weren't expecting that or you get a skip a turn. Rummy Cube is a good one. Rummy Cube is another good one. Absolutely. Slapjack. And that's a fast paced game. You never liked that game. Whitney and I like to play Slapjack. I always lose. Yeah, well, it's okay. Uh, Slapjack develops attention and inhibition. How about games like Battleship, Checkers, Jenga, Mankala, Stratego? Mm -hmm. You and I played Stratego a lot. I played that a lot as a kid. It's so fun. Um, But those kind of games provide opportunities to make and hold a plan in mind for several moves ahead. Mm -hmm. So that is what you have to strategize in those games. Movement songs in games. How about like Simon Says? Or did you ever do this in music class where you would sing in rounds? You know, yeah. where they, okay, that, oh, does that require focused attention? Oh, yeah. Because uh, you have to, because if you get distracted, you're going to start singing the other. With, with the other group. That's other right. Group. Yeah. Complicated clapping rhythms. Gosh, I don't know if you did this as a kid, but when I was a kid, we would do these hand clapping games with our friends, you know, where, and they were really complex. Yeah, no, that, that wasn't. That wasn't your, your nah. cup of tea, but that's okay. But those uh, activities provide practice for working memory, inhibition, and mental flexibility. How about physical games like red light, green light? Do mm-hmm. you ever play that? Yep. Uh, duck duck goose yep uh what about um london bridges falling down i love when we play that because inevitably there's the kid who or, or ring around the rosy you mm-hmm. know who falls down too soon you know who does yep. something before it's time because they don't have inhibitory control right so those are all games that develop attention inhibition fast moving games like foursquare you ever mm-hmm. play foursquare oh yeah i love foursquare how about dodgeball Oh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was a master. You were the ma- you were the dodgeball master. Yep. All right, excellent. Uh, those games require constant monitoring, mm-hmm. rule following, quick decision making, and self control. Yep. And then quiet activities for older kids that require strategy and reflection. Things like mazes, mm-hmm. jigsaw puzzles, word finds, uh, I spy books. Uh, those all exercise focused attention and problem solving skills. And then there are actually some games that older kids and adults play. I mean, we do these every day. Wordle. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, all right. Chess. I mean, we haven't played that in a while, but that's another game that really, you know, builds and strengthens yeah. Yeah. executive functions. Scrabble. We love Scrabble. Scrabble. Bananagrams. Uh, Shut the Box. Do you remember that? That is 
the most fabulous game if you have um, a child who's working on their math facts. Uh, Shut the Box is great. Up to four people can play. It's a little dice game and the numbers, everybody has zero through ten and you each have your own pair of dice. So if I roll a six, what that means is I could put down a five and a one. Mm-hmm. I could put down a four and a two or I could you, you can or I can put down the number six. So once I put that down, I keep rolling and let's say I get another six. Well, the six is already down so now I have to think of another way to get six. Okay. And then maybe I roll a nine. So I'm like, well, I could put the nine down or I could do five and four or I could do six and three. So it's a wonderful, very fast paced game that builds mental flexibility hmm. and simultaneously teaches your kid their math facts. So love, cool. love, love that game. Love that. All right, guys. So whether you're raising children or whether you're working with children, uh, we are in the business of building brains. And so what we want to do is really encourage uh, activities that focus on building and strengthening executive function skills because that's how we do that. That's how we build their brain. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we're yep. literally talking about building the prefrontal cortex, the connections, the synaptic connections in that pre frontal cortex. So what I want you guys to do is to to think to yourself, all right, guys, let's play. It's time to build your brain, right? That's what we want to say to kids. And and that's what we're in the business of doing. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of SLP Talk Show. Uh, Jim and I hope you found the information helpful. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your colleagues. Now get back out there in the real world. Be kind, be accepting, and be present. Put your screens down for a bit. Hang out with the people you love most in this world. And please promise me you will get your mammogram. Early detection can save your life. I am now, as of April 2nd, an 11-year breast cancer survivor. Woohoo! Woohoo is right. So, uh, early detection absolutely saved my life. Isn't that right, Jim? It did. Absolutely. All right, guys. Until we meet again, cheers. Cheers.